Good morning. How y'all doing today? I want to just say one thing that has nothing to do with the message today. It just occurred to me while we were singing. Um, this song, the words are down. By the way, there, Chris has cheat sheets right down here for the words, in case y'all were ever wondering. Um, this song, uh, One Thing Remains, there's a, the one, uh, you know, on and on and on it goes. And uh, there's the, the beginning of verse 2 says something cool that it just occurred to me. It says, in death, in life, I'm confident and covered by the power of your great love. And what I thought about was, when, when we sang that, is that um, for people who don't know Jesus, people who haven't heard the gospel, haven't been changed by it, haven't had their lives completely turned around by Jesus and they're forgiven of their sins, they're scared of death. That they, they don't know what's going to happen. They have no confidence in that. They, they're scared of that. For those of us who are believers, if, you, if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, sometimes I think, we, man, we got death wrapped up because we know we're going to be in heaven and it's got to be a lot better than what we're going through here, right? And so sometimes I think we've got that wrapped up. But I think sometimes we forget as Christians that the same love of Jesus that's going to take care of us in heaven and has bought us a place in heaven can help us get through the day-to-day mess that you go through now. So whatever it is, and it, like I say, this is just bonus coverage right here. This is not the message today, okay? And if this is all you get out of today, that's great. But what I want you to know today is if you came in here discouraged and defeated and depressed, I want you to know that the, the love of Jesus can carry you through all that stuff. He can carry you through your problems with your spouse and problems with your kids and problems with your neighbors and just problems with life. And uh, the, the same love that carries us into heaven can carry you through this life. And so I just wanted you to, to, to think about that. Is that that's kind of what, what God was saying to me as we were singing that song a while ago. And, and I, I wanted to share that with you. Hey, uh, we really are glad that you're here today. We're, we're continuing a message series that Donnie started last week uh, called Pause. And, and what we're, we're talking about when we talk about pause is we're talking about the concept of Sabbath, which that's a biblical concept that, that God commanded way back in the Old Testament and it carries through to today. And, and some of you, depending on what religious tradition you grew up in or, or even if you didn't grow up in a religious tradition, depending on whatever kind of stuff you've seen on TV, you probably have an idea of Sabbath that means it's a certain day of the week where the traditional day in the Jewish tradition was Saturday and that's uh, Sabbath. We were down at the beach just this past week in a... I thought it was hilarious because there's a, a store down there in Garden City right near the ice cream shop they always go to, and they sell these nasty T-shirts that you shouldn't be allowed to wear in public because my daughter can read that stuff, and when I see it, I just want to go rip it off of people when they're wearing that. And they sell these at this, this T-shirt shop, and they have them hanging out front, and it's all this sexual garbage and stuff on these shirts. Well, and I walked by there the other day, and they had a sign on the door this was on Saturday, he had put it up on Saturday night that said, or on Friday night, it said, closed for Sabbath, we'll reopen Saturday at 9 p.m. And I thought it was pretty funny to think that this is a guy that, that makes his living selling shirts with sexual images on it, but hey, I'm going to observe the Sabbath, right? And sometimes I think we've got this idea of Sabbath that it's just this day of the week, and, and Donnie started the series last week, and he talked about how Sabbath is more than just a day of the week. And so, uh, so we're going to talk today, we're going to continue the series today, and I'm going to talk specifically about taking a Sabbath from work, 
taking a Sabbath from work. So if you're, if you're taking notes, you can write that across the top, taking a Sabbath from work or taking a pause from work. And, uh, and, and that seems to be kind of the most obvious thing <clears throat> that you're supposed to take a Sabbath from because that's really a lot of what the Old Testament stuff, when, when Jesus gave the, the command, when God gave the command about Sabbath, it was about the, telling the Israelites not to work on a certain day of the week. And it's appropriate that I would be the one sharing this today because I just got back from taking a Sabbath from work. And so I was at the beach all last week, and I didn't, I didn't uh, respond. In fact, Chris sent me an email uh, last week, and he said this morning, he said, I was going to put at the end of it, I hope you don't respond to this because you're on vacation. And I didn't. I didn't respond to his email. So he was glad I ignored him, and that means he's awesome, an awesome friend. And uh so I didn't do any of that stuff. I took a Sabbath, took a, took a week off of work and tried to, tried to just focus on other things. And, and, uh, and that's what we're supposed to do. So, so as, as we talk about taking a Sabbath from work, I, I want to get one point out there right off the bat. So if you're taking notes, you can go ahead and write this one down. Because I think we have a, ha, have a, 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 a misunderstanding about work. And, and this is the first thing we need to talk about right off the bat. And that is this. Work is from God and it's good. Work is from God and it's good. Now, some of you, you're already a little bit confused because uh, how many of you grew up and like me and your parents took you to Sunday school on Sunday mornings? How many of you had to go to Sunday school growing up? Yeah, man, I was in Sunday school all the time. And, and if you grew up in Sunday school, chances are when I just said work is from God and it's good, you're a little confused because you're thinking, wait a minute, I remember this story that they taught me from the time I was a little kid about the beginning of the world. And at, back at the beginning of the world, God made this beautiful garden, and he made this guy named Adam, and then he jerked out one of his ribs, and he made this woman named Eve from that rib, and the two of them were married, and they were naked just walking around. I remember that from a kid. I was like, what is up with that? And so they're in this garden, and everything's wonderful and beautiful, and God gives one command, and he says, don't eat off of this tree. And what do they do? Of course, they go, and they eat off of that one tree, and then in my mind, and, and when, you, when I think about work, I remember thinking, hearing, and, or th- I thought I remember hearing, that the, the punishment, one of the punishment for Adam was that now he would have to work. That that was a curse from God for committing the first sin. And you remember the curse of God on women was what? It's going to hurt when you have babies, right? That was the, the one on women. And all you women are like, yes, and it does. That curse is real. And, and so, so we, we hear that and we think, okay, the, the fact that we have to work is a curse. But I'm telling you that, that we've got a misunderstanding there. Work is from God and it's good because look at Genesis 2.15. Just look on the screen at this. This is, what, this is before there was any fruit eaten off of any trees. This is what God says to Adam. Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to what? Say it with me. Work it and take care of it. See, work is not a curse. Work is from God. Before there was ever a, a, a tree that you weren't supposed to eat off of, before, that, before you know, Adam and Eve had ever done that, God said, listen, I'm putting you in this garden. I want you to take care of it. I want you to work it. You're, you're supposed to go out there and, and do what you would do in a, in a garden and, and tend to it. And so work was a good thing. It was, it was something that gave Adam fulfillment in life and something that that was a gift from God to him and he was supposed to glorify God through that work so where do we get this idea that work is punishment well there was punishment associated with work look at Genesis 3 17 through 19 so after 
They ate the fruit. This is what happened. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are... And to dust you will return. See, work is not a curse. The curse was now work is going to be a pain in the tail. That's not exact. That's kind of like the cliff version of that. But, but God said, listen, you were supposed to work the garden and you did that. Great. Now that you've sinned, you're still going to have to work it. But before where it used to be easy, it ain't easy. Before where you used to go out and you'd plant stuff and it would produce fruit, now you got to go out and you got to pull weeds and you got to pull the thorns out of it and you got to deal with squash bugs on your plants and whatever it is that, you know, all that kind of stuff. You got to deal with this stuff because that's the curse of God is that work will now be difficult. So, and some of, and a lot of you probably, wherever you work, you, you feel that. You, you feel the struggle. You go to work and it's not easy. It's, there's difficult days. But then also, probably some of you, the same people who would say, yeah, man, work is a struggle for me. You also, there are times when you, at work, you can feel like, man, this is good. You see, you get glimpses of the fact that, that work is a good thing and it was given to you by God. You feel fulfilled at the end of the day sometimes and, and you, feel, you feel like you've got purpose there. But in the midst of it, while you feel you have purpose, it still is a struggle. And that's, that's, what, that's what's going on with us with work. So, so when we start talking about taking a Sabbath from work, I was thinking about this. And that, see, there's a funny thing, I think, that happens to us about work. And that is, even though work is good and work is from God, um, most of us don't like work. I, I mean, really, if we're honest with each other. What do you sell? What, when I was growing up, there was this commercial about Miller time. Everybody remember Miller time? When was Miller time? Miller time is 5 o'clock on Friday afternoon. Miller time is not 8 a.m. on Monday morning. Nobody celebrates 8 a.m. on Monday morning. When you listen to the radio, you know, they make all this big deal about, you know, Friday being the last day. You don't hear anybody saying, "Woohoo! Monday we get to go back to work. I mean, you, you look forward to your vacation for weeks, and then the last day of your vacation, what do you do? You dread going home. Why? Because you got to go back to work. And so most of us don't like work. But the funny thing is, even though most of us don't like work, we still have a tendency as human beings to get almost addicted to work. In fact, work, we can become workaholics before we know it. And in fact, we can, we can be the people that, that we said we would never be that, that, that work on vacation. Yeah, I'm on vacation with my family, but I'm just going to take my laptop with me and these files because maybe I can get some stuff done. Or I'm going to call back to the office two or three times a day because they can't live without me at home. And, and uh, you know, and it, yeah, I, know that, I know that I'm supposed to take one day off a week, but, but I'm going to go out and I'm going to be sure that you know, I get this project done that I'm, I'm working on because I'm a builder or a plumber or whatever it is that I do. And, and so, so for most of us, even though we don't really like work, when it comes to taking a Sabbath from work, most of us really don't do that very well. Because a lot of times, even when we do take a Sabbath from work, where is our mind? A lot of times it's still at work. And we can't shut it off. I don't know how many of you struggle with this, but, but I know I struggle with this sometimes, and probably you do too. You wake up in the middle of the night. 
and you can't go back to sleep. Not really because you're not tired, but why? Because you're thinking about something you've got to do at work. You're thinking about it's 2 o'clock in the morning, and that alarm's going to go off at 6, and I've got to get to the office earlier. I've got to get to the job site early because we've got to get this done before 8. Or I forgot to do this, and I've got to send an email, and maybe some of you even get up in the middle of the night, fire up the computer, pull out your iPhone, and you go ahead and send the email right then so you don't forget about it. We don't do Sabbath from work very well. And I think there's a reason for that. And, and there, there's an Old Testament story that I want us to, to look at today. And it's in Exodus chapter 16. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Exodus 16. That's in the Old Testament. That's the first part of the Bible. It's the second book. You've got Genesis and you've got Exodus. Exodus chapter 16. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read in a minute starting at verse 4. But I'm going to talk some of this story and read some of this story. And, and I think that, that the, the stuff that we read in this story can help us understand why we don't do Sabbath from work very well, and how maybe we can do that a little bit better. Let me, let me give you some background before I read uh, Exodus 16, 4 and 5. The background is this. You remember there were this group of people, there was this nation of people called the Israelites. Now the Israelites were God's chosen people. Now they weren't God's chosen people just because he decided just to choose one people out of everybody. They were God's chosen people because one day Jesus was going to be born out of that line of folks. And so that's why they were, they were God's chosen people. And so the, the Israelites became slaves in Egypt through this long thing with a guy named Joseph and a famine and all that kind of stuff. And they ended up being, a, being slaves in Egypt. And so while they're slaves there, <clears throat> slavery's not good. And so God said, I'm going to rescue my folks from, from Egypt, from being slaves. And he called up this guy. From, from the time he was young, he raised him up and called him and said, his name is Moses, and he's going to be the one who's going to rescue my people from their slavery. And so Moses goes to Egypt, and he talks to Pharaoh, and there's these ten plagues, and bad stuff happens. And long story short, they get out. They get out of Egypt. And that's called the Exodus. That's why this book that we're reading out of today is called Exodus. It means exiting, means getting out of town. And so, so they, they had the exodus from Egypt. They escaped from Egypt. And they cross a, an ocean while they go. And God splits the waters of the ocean. This amazing story. And now they're in the desert. And they've been, when we get to this part we're going to read today, they've been in the desert for about 45 days. So it's a month and a half that they've been out in the desert. And what do people start doing? They start complaining. Now, I know none of y'all ever complain. I know all y'all are always positive, and you never say anything negative about your situation. But the Israelites weren't like y'all. The Israelites, they were complainers. They were big-time complainers. And so they start wandering around, and they're telling Moses, we don't have anything to eat. We're hungry. We would be better off if we were still slaves in Egypt. While we were there, we sat around pots of meat. That actually says that in the Scripture, which is not true. They never sat around a pot of meat, but they were looking back and remembering something to be better than it really was. And so they're complaining, we don't have anything to eat. So God responds to this in Exodus 16, verses 4 and 5. Look at this, it says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will, they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather 
on the other days. See, verse 4, he says, I will rain down bread from heaven. God's making it very clear that he wanted the Israelites to know and he wants us to know that what they had to eat came directly from his hand. And what we have comes directly from his hand. And, and so he wanted that to be very clear. And then, then you notice in verse 4, he also says, gather enough for that day. Now, there's, there was, when they went out, there was going to be bread all over the place, but they weren't supposed to just get baskets and baskets full. They were supposed to get, okay, me, my wife, my two kids, that's what I need for today, and get only that. And then on ver- in verse 5, he says, on the sixth day they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. Now, why is that? That's because on the seventh day, which was the Sabbath that God had set aside, they weren't supposed to go out and gather anything on the seventh day. So he said, listen, on you know Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, go out and gather just what you need for that day. But on Friday, go out and get what you need for Friday and Saturday. Get twice as much. Because on Saturday, I don't want you to go out of the house to gather bread. That's what he was telling them. And so, so that, that was what happened. Now, do you, do you think, oh, by the way, this group of people, just so you understand, not everybody knows this. This wasn't like Moses and 20 or 30 folks. This was over a million people. Not 100,000, not 25,000, a million folks. And so out of a million people, do you think that all of them did exactly what they were supposed to do? If it had been 30 people, do you think all of them would have done what they were supposed to do? No. Somebody would have disobeyed. And look at verse 1620, what it says when somebody ignored the instructions. Some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it till morning. So they were supposed to go out and just get enough for that day, and then that would be it. They kept part of it till morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So if you, can you imagine, you know, you, you eat this, you said it. Well, I know God said to, you know, throw this away, but I'm going to put this over here. And you wake up the next morning to go get some breakfast, and you're like, Oh, cool. Yesterday God provided uh, bread. Today he provided rice. Oh, wait, those are moving. That's not rice, you know. And so, so that, that, you know, that, was, that was what happened. And, and so, so they had disobeyed, and all of a sudden God said, listen. And, and what God wanted them to know was this. He wanted them to trust them day to day. If I provided for you on Monday, you can trust me to provide for you on Tuesday. And if I provide for you on Tuesday, you can trust me to provide for you on Wednesday. So then what happened on the sixth day? Now, this is the day, remember, they're supposed to, to gather twice as much. Look at, look at Exodus 16, through 26. It says this. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Pretty clear instructions, right? Gather twice as much on the sixth day. Don't go looking for it on the seventh day because it's not going to be there. Once again, a million people. Do you think everybody obeyed? 
No, not everybody obeyed. Exodus 16, 27 and 28 says this. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse? By the way, raw deal here for Moses. Because it didn't say Moses went out, but who got to get fussed out by God? Moses. How long, Moses, will you refuse to keep my commands? That stinks for Moses, but that's part of being a leader that he had to deal with. How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Now, here's, when I read this story, it reminds me of us today in the world we live in. Because what, what can an old story like that about God raining down bread from heaven say to us? Well, I, I think that, that this story and, and the concept of Sabbath in this story is really all about, it comes down to one word, and that word is provision. Provision. It's about whether or not you trust God to provide for you. See, God told the Israelites very clear instructions. Gather just what you need for day to day. On the sixth day, gather twice as much. Don't go looking for it on the seventh day. And still, even though it was very clear, they still disobeyed. Now, why did they do that? Did they do it just because they wanted to, to make God angry? Did they do it just because they thought they knew better than God? I think the reason that the Israelites, some of them kept it longer than they were supposed to, and some of them went out and looking for it on the seventh day instead of uh, staying inside and not looking for it like they were supposed to, I think the reason they did that was because when it boiled down to it, they really trusted more in their own ability to provide for themselves than they did in God's, uh, in God's faithfulness to provide for them. They trusted more in their own ability to provide for themselves than they trusted God's faithfulness to provide for them. They, when it came down to it, they thought, if I don't go out and get, get something to eat, it's not gonna, we're going to starve. If I don't save this, we're not going to have anything tomorrow. It doesn't matter that God provided on Monday. I don't know if he's going to do it again on Tuesday. They didn't trust the faithfulness of God. They trusted more in their own ability to provide for themselves. And I think that that's the way we can be. Not even really realizing that we're that way. We, we, I think sometimes what we can do is that is, uh, we have a job, and God provided that job, but somewhere along the way we convince ourselves that we got that job on our own. And I'm, I'm a hard worker, and I climbed the ladder, and I started this business myself, and I did this, and I did that, and that's where this job came from. And, and if I take a day off, I might lose all that that I worked so hard to gain. If I take a vacation and, and don't check my email, I, I might lose all that. If I, don't, if I don't work on Sunday, even though, even though I know I really should spend that time and go to church with my family or, or do whatever, if I don't do that, then I'm going to lose everything that I've worked for. And we can come up with all kinds of excuses of why we should not take a Sabbath. Cliff, you don't understand, man. If, if I take a regular vacation, it, my, it piles up so much that when I get back, I have to work three times as hard. It, I've got to work long hours on the weekends, and I know I don't get to see my kids, but I'm doing that so they can go to college one day, so I'm really doing it for them. And we can come up, you can just, you can put any excuse you want to in there about why you can't take a break from work. But when you really dig down deep under all those excuses, what it comes back to, I think, is whether or not we really trust God to provide for us or not.
See, that's what was, that's what was going on with, um, with, with the Israelites. That they didn't trust God enough to take one day a week off from gathering bread. And sometimes we can be guilty of the same thing. Now, when I say trust God to take care of us, what I love about this story is we can see in there that that doesn't mean doing nothing. That doesn't mean, hey, man, I'm going to trust God. I'm just not going to work, and God will provide. That's called being lazy is what that is. And there's a whole bunch of verses in the Bible about that too. Read Proverbs. But, but, so that's, but you see in this story it's not talking about that because what does he tell them to do? Every day they are to go out and gather. God didn't say, I'm going to make the bread drop into your mouth. You've got to do some work. You've got to go out and gather. And, and on the sixth day, he told them to gather twice as much because the, the, the lesson there is this. We have to be responsible with what God has provided to us. We have to be responsible with that stuff. We have to work hard within the job, within the, the, the work God has given you to do. We should work as hard as we can at it, do the best that we can. But he also uh, commanded us, work hard, but take a break. Work hard, but take a Sabbath. Be responsible with what I provide for you, and then take a break and honor me by taking a break from the work I've given you to do. But what happens so many times in America is this. Instead of being responsible with what God's provided for us, we spend all of it and more. God provides us with stuff and we spend not 100% of it, we spend 120% of it because there's these things called credit cards where you can spend more than you make. And we do that as Americans. And we get in this, we get in this backwards financial situation where all of a sudden now, we can't afford to take a Sabbath. We can't afford to take a break. Because why? We weren't responsible with what God gave us. And God says, listen, don't dishonor me twice because that's dishonoring God twice. You dishonor Him the first time by not being responsible with what He provided. Then you dishonor Him the second time by refusing to take a Sabbath. And, but you're doing it because i gotta, I got to make up for all this stuff that I wasted. The way God wants us to live is... We live responsibly within the things He provides for us, within the work He's given us to do, and then we take regular Sabbaths from that work to honor Him for what He's given us. That's what He wants us to do. We have to be a good steward of what He's given us, then do Sabbath to honor the one who gave us the stuff that we have. Exodus sixteen twenty nine. the last part of this story that I want to read to you. I think it gets right down to the so the, the, the important part that we need to understand about Sabbath, this is what God said to Moses, or Moses was saying to the people, excuse me. Bear in mind that the Lord has given, say this with me, you. Say it again. Bear in mind that the Lord has given who? You, the Sabbath. Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. God provides for you financially. And by giving you the Sabbath, God has also provided for you emotionally, spiritually, and mentally as well. By giving you the Sabbath, God has provided for you emotionally, spiritually, 
and mentally as well. The Sabbath is not a curse. The Sabbath is not something given to you so that you can't make all the money that you can make. The Sabbath is not something that that God wanted to do just out of fun to see if you could sit still for a day. He gave you the Sabbath as a gift. He gave you the Sabbath for your well-being. He gave you the Sabbath for the well-being of your family. It's a gift that He's given us. But sometimes we view it as a problem. We view it as, that's just slowing me down. I need to work that day. I need to work that weekend. I need to not go on vacation and send my family on vacation and I stay home and do this, whatever it is. I want to I want to tell you a story to close, but before I tell you the story, I want to, I want to give you some practical suggestions. And so if you haven't written anything down today and, and you're struggling with this, you know, write it down. And, and uh, husbands and wives, resist the urge to look at your wife and say, hey, you need to write these down because you don't take Sabbath. Or wives to the husbands, don't do that. Y'all talk about that later over lunch, okay? Because I don't want you to fight here publicly. Just do that on your own time. We don't want to disrupt the service. Uh, but, but I do want to give you some suggestions that you can write down, and th- these are just kind of practical stuff about helping you, if, if you do struggle with this, uh, hel- helping you figure out um, how you can practice Sabbath better. The first suggestion is this. Uh, first of all, schedule it and protect it. Schedule it and protect it. If you know that you struggle with working too much, then put a date on your calendar and then live by that date. In other words, what I mean is this. Um, don't say to yourself, hey, sometime this month, I'm going to take a Saturday and I'm going to go to the lake. Or sometime this month, we're going to go to church on Sunday morning and then afterwards, we're going to spend all day together and I'm not going to look at the computer or go to the job site or any of that stuff. Because if you just say that sometime this is going to happen, it never happens. So put it on a calendar. Tell your husband, tell your wife, hey, I'm scheduling this day to do this, which is really not anything. It's nothing to do with work. It's something that relaxes you. I'm scheduling it. And then y'all help each other as husband and wife to protect that date. If you're, you know, you're not the boss and your boss comes in and says, hey, I really need your work that day, say, shut up, man. No, don't say that. I'm just kidding. But deal with it in the way that you can deal with it. If you are the boss, and by the way, those of you that are the boss, I've learned over the years that y'all have more of a tendency to overwork than the people who aren't the boss because you feel more pressure. If you are the boss, schedule it and live by it. Second one is this, second suggestion, don't feel guilty. Don't feel guilty. It doesn't do any good to take a day off work if the whole day you're doing it, you're thinking, man, I'd be better off without work. People are going to think I'm lazy. How's the bills going to get paid? Don't feel guilty about it. And that might require you to spend a lot of time praying beforehand. It might spend require you to, to spend a lot of time in Scripture and dealing with what Sabbath really means and trying to figure that out because if not, you're going to feel guilty the whole time and you're not going to get what you need to get out of it. Remember, God has given you the Sabbath. It's a gift from God to you. So don't feel guilty about taking a Sabbath. Quit trying to multitask. It's another suggestion. Quit trying to multitask. 
By the way, multitasking is a myth. Everything that you read out there now, there, there was a time period when everybody said, hey, you need to multitask. Everything you read now tells you that multitasking is a myth, that from years of multitasking, businesses and business owners are learning that what happens is, is that things don't get done like they're supposed to and, don't, and uh, things aren't taken care of the right way. Quit trying to multitask. Quit being on vacation and also trying to work. Don't multitask. Either be doing Sabbath or be doing work. Don't, and, and tr- by the way, don't try to do Sabbath at work either. You know, your boss shows up on the job site and you've got your head laying on a five-gallon bucket. Hey, I'm doing some Sabbath, boss. It's, you know, that doesn't work too well. Uh, next one is be accountable to somebody. I would suggest husband to wife, wife to husband, unless y'all just can't deal with each other like that. I understand. Get somebody else involved. But be accountable. I'm going to take this day and I'm going to let you... Ask me if I took that day. Sweetheart, I'm putting this on the calendar. If I get up and go into the office that day, go cut the valve stems on my tires so I can't leave. I mean, you know, whatever it is. But help, you know, help each other to be accountable. And then um, the last thing is this is I just want to make a suggestion about maybe how it should work. And, and I think that, that all of us would be better off if we took a daily, a weekly, and a yearly Sabbath. Now, here's what I mean by that. Daily... There needs to be some part of your day, some time carved out, whether, and you, you and Jesus can deal with how long it's supposed to be. Whether it's five minutes, 30 minutes, or an hour and a half, there needs to be a part of your day every day to where you focus on Him. You read some scripture, you pray, you put your phone aside, you shut down the computer screen, and you just focus on Him whether you write a prayer journal, whether you memorize Scripture, whatever it is that you do to, to help you focus on Him, there's some time every day that you do that. We need to have daily Sabbath. Second, you need to have weekly Sabbath. This comes straight out of the Old Testament, one day a week. If you're working seven days a week, you need to figure out a way that you can do away with one of those days. It needs to be one day a week where, where in, in all day, not where it's like, well, I can, I can, God, I can give you a half a day a week. I work six and a half days, and that's better than nothing. God, it's pretty clear. Take one day a week. So a daily Sabbath, a weekly Sabbath, and then last, I would suggest a yearly Sabbath. Take a vacation. I just got back from a week of it, and it's awesome. Take a vacation. Some of you, if you can afford to and you got the time, shoot, take two or three. That might be better for you based on the pressure and stresses of your job. But take a vacation and really take that vacation. There's a, uh, there's a story that I heard someone else tell one time, and this is kind of a, a preacher story, so it probably never really happened, but the points of the story are good. Um, there's a story about a, a, a man in the Old West who uh, got lost in a desert out in the Old West and He's traveling out there and uses up all his water that he took with him, all his provisions of water, and he's uh, afraid he's going to die of thirst. And while he's out there, he comes upon an old shack that has a pump in it. So he's all excited. And beside the pump, there is a jug of water. And now remember, he feels like he's dying of thirst. His lips are cracked, his tongue is swollen, and 
he, he feels like he doesn't have much time left if he doesn't get some water. And here's a jug of water staring him in the face. Before he picks the jug of water up to drink it, he sees there's a letter laying underneath the jug. And as he reads it, it says this. If you come here looking for water, do not drink this jug of water. Instead, use it to prime the pump, and then you will have all the water you need. So he's got a decision to make. He can drink the water that he's got in front of him, or he can trust the writer of this letter, who he's never met, that he's telling the truth, and he can pour that water into to pump, to prime the pump, and it says that he'll have enough water where he can fill that jug, he can fill all his canteens, he can have all the water he needs. So he takes the chance. He trusts the, the writer of the letter. And instead of drinking the water, he pours it into the pump, primes the pump, and sure enough, the writer of the letter was telling the truth, and he has enough water to drink, he gets all that he needs inside of him, and then he fills up his canteens, he gives water to his horse, he needs, he's good to go now, he can travel on. Before he leaves, he notices the bottom of the letter says this, Before leaving, please refill the jug to help the next traveler who comes along. So he does that. See, when it comes to us refusing to take a Sabbath, that seems like a good idea at first. Just like it seemed like a good idea for that guy to come into that shack and drink that jug of water. But if he had done that, if he had, if he had come in and drank that jug of water, he would have missed out on getting enough water for him enough water for the rest of his journey, and it would have hurt the next person who came along. And when we refuse to take Sabbath, when we work all the time, and even when we're not physically at work, we're mentally at work, we're emotionally at work, and when we do that, at first it seems like we're getting ahead, it seems like a good idea, but then we begin to break down. We break down physically, we break down mentally, we break down emotionally, and we certainly break down spiritually. And then we can't make it for the long haul. And then not only does it affect us, but affects everyone around us. It affects your marriage relationship. It affects your relationship with your kids. It affects your relationships with your neighbors and with your coworkers. And here's the, the difference between that story and what God has told us to do. That story, there was a letter written by an anonymous person who this traveler had never met before. We have a letter called the Word of God written to us by somebody not only that we know, but somebody that we know we can trust. And in that letter, God has told us, take one day a week. Take one day a week and honor me with it. Be responsible with what I've given you and then honor me one day a week by not working, by focusing on who I am. And we know that we can trust him because he provided for us bread on Monday. He provided for us bread on Tuesday. He's provided for you bread on Wednesday. He provided for you bread on Thursday and you know that he's going to provide it on Friday and Saturday and Sunday because he's proven it to you all these years. Trust Him 
Take the time that he's told you to take and see what it does to you spiritually. See what it does to your soul. I'm going to pray. When we're done praying, we're going to sing and go out of here celebrating who God is. And I want you to walk out of here today encouraged today because of what God wants to do in your life. He has given you the Sabbath. Enjoy it. Father God, thank you for the truth that we find in the Bible. Thank you that a story written about a nation of people many years ago and in a different part of the world speaks clearly to us today about where we live in our culture. God, help us to trust you for our provision. Even if we work as hard as we can, we can't provide for ourselves one loaf of bread without you. All that we have comes from your hand. Our food, our housing, our transportation. And so, Lord, help us to honor you for providing it for us. Help us to honor you by, by taking the appropriate time off that you've told us to take. Help us to honor you by being good stewards of what you've given us, by not wasting it. Lord, we want to glorify you in every part of our lives, even our vacations. And so show us how to do that. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. Thank you for providing for us. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.